Real talk though, uh, in Flint, Flint, I love the uh, <laughs> I love the when table, when table design contest. So AER, what, what's what's in the works on that? We need we need horns on the hoodie, and we need an actual table. <laughs> well, I mean, um, horns on the hoodie. That's that's a, that's a question we have to answer uh, after we do the do the first you heard segment. And um, as far as the when table contest, well, first we got to see some good NFTs. Get those uh, out on the vote, and then we can think about doing a table contest. I'm open to it. Like, if the community wants it, if the DAO votes for it, then we have to go for it, right? Oh man, yeah, we gotta. Uh, we we probably should do a virtual table. I don't know if we can start shipping people tables, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we can start shipping people tables if they pay for the shipping fees. <laughs> but um, alrighty, well. You know, thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll, uh, you know, probably have more people join throughout. But thanks to everyone uh, getting here, on, getting here on time, and we'll get it rolling. Uh, with that, we'll we'll do a quick little around the horn. Everyone, uh, everyone, say what's up. I'll toss it to you, A. Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in with us again. Hey, guys, it's Wally. Happy Friday. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday, indeed. Thanks for joining. Yeah, we got football right now, don't we, Wally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, England made it through, so we've got another match tomorrow, so fingers crossed. We're, we're a rubbish team, but I always have hope. <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty. Well, you know, this week, I wanted to just kind of, like, take a little bit more of an educational approach um, to just kind of understanding L2s, explaining what they are, and sort of how they relate to... <laughs> Um, y-axis because i know that's like a pretty hot topic right now everybody's hearing like oh arbitrum soon optimism soon uh you know other scaling solutions soon uh and obviously soon tm you know it's they all work on ethereum time where it's like something's supposed to release and then it's you know a few months to (laughs) whatever whatever time from there but uh you know obviously should be should be coming soon so you know what are they what what are what are l2s kind of how do they work um, and sort of what are they, how do they relate to, um, relate to Y-axis? So hopefully, you know, learn something today. We'll keep the herd pretty big brained in terms of being up on the, the DeFi landscape and, and, uh, you know, being just well informed in general about the space. So, um, with that, I'll kind of kick it off with a little discussion of like generally, uh, you know, what L2s are and like, and, and how they work. So. Uh, basically, like layer two solutions, they take. Um, so right now, like transactions are put into a block on Ethereum, like on chain. So it's everything's done on chain, and this basically just moves that whole process off chain. So blocks are produced off chain, and transactions are essentially batched or rolled up, which is why you hear that term a lot, like optimistic rollups or zk rollups. So the transactions are essentially batched or, or rolled up like off chain. And that allows for, you know, greater throughput because it's not being done on chain. So um, it, you know, greater th- throughput means, you know, faster, lower fees, et cetera. All the things that people are kind of demanding for on Ethereum, helping Ethereum scale. So, you know, by, by batching and rolling up off chain, um, they're then kind of, kind of confirmed and validated by the Ethereum layer one 
to ensure integrity, but then you get the benefits of that greater throughput, which is, you know, faster and lower fees. Um, today, we're probably going to focus mostly on, so the L2 space is pretty big, um, so we'll probably focus mostly on, like, optimistic rollups, since that's, like, arbitrary optimism, and those are, like, the nearest term to be kind of deployed. And, you know, given that sort of ZK rollups are uh, another topic, and they're, like, more complex and kind of further away from mainstream, like, earliest is probably, like, September. Um, you know, there's some isolated use case of ZK rollups today, but broad-based use later later on so we'll, we'll talk about zk rollups in, in a future uh, episode we're going to focus mostly on optimistic uh today so what what is an optimistic rollup for um we'll, we'll start there so um like i was mentioning before you know these transactions are batched or rolled up um you know off chain so basically when those transactions go to be validated by ethereum uh in an, in an optimistic fashion for the optimistic rollup, um, Ethereum essentially treats that batch of transactions as if it's legitimate until proven otherwise. So it, it only rejects that batch of transactions and doesn't validate, doesn't confirm them. Um, it's, it only rejects that batch if any anybody on the optimistic rollup, um, anybody monitoring the chain submits a valid claim that the transaction is fraudulent, which is a fraud proof. Essentially, like the transactions are, you know, innocent until proven otherwise. So that's sort of the optimistic name. So, um, you know, on optimistic rollups, basically, a single party is designed as is designated as the um, the block producer and the transaction processor. So this uh, sequencer, you call it, is the one that's sort of you know batching and rolling up those transactions in an off chain and. Uh, fashion and producing the block um, before being uh, sent to like layer one for um, for validation. So basically the um, kind of the other participants on the optimistic rollup network, so outside of that that sequencer, uh, they basically serve as like we'll call it uh, referees or police or however you want to call them um, that can like call a foul on the sequencer. Basically, if the sequencer is acting in a malicious way or they're, uh, you know, they're, con they're um, basically acting in a fraudulent way, the uh, other participants can essentially trigger a dispute resolution process. So they can file a, you know, file a dispute or, you know, submit a, a, fra a fraud proof basically. Um, and so basically, how that works is that that whole dispute resolution process ensures that the transactions are going to be let's call it honest or not fraudulent. So essentially, the the security of the rollup is is based on the idea that one participant on the entire rollup is honest. So as long as there's one honest network user on the entire thing. Uh, there's and, and they're they're they submit a fraud proof, the 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 rollup will process transactions correctly because any any fraudulent activity would be identified, and there's also a monetary reward for submitting a correct fraud proof. So there's incentives to do so. There's incentives for honesty. Um, basically, greed and market incentives will drive honest outcomes. Um, and, and kind of we'll talk a little bit real quick here as to like how that differs from let's say like a polygon, because obviously you've heard a lot about 
polygon, which is a side chain. Side chain is not the same as an L2. So basically a side chain requires a simple majority for validation. So you basically need more than half of the validators to uh, agree on something. Uh, and, and so that basically requires more validators to be honest. Whereas the optimistic rollup um, only requires one participant on the whole network, not, ne not even just a validator, just one participant to be honest based on that incentive scheme. So um, set up to be pretty secure in that sense. And then also the transactions are then validated, confirmed by Ethereum layer one on an, on an optimistic rollup so that you retain that security of Ethereum. Whereas on a side chain like Polygon, you, you do not. Um, and then I know, you know, I know there's a, a lot of like topics here and, and words being thrown around, but um, just talking about that sequencer that basically, you know, rolls up and batches those transactions together. So the difference between Arbitrum and Optimism, which are like the two main uh, optimistic rollup kind of layer two solutions that everyone kind of throws around that you've probably heard a lot about. Um, the main difference between those two, or one, not main, but one key difference between those two is in how they treat that sequencer. Um, and the and the basically the liberty and freedom they give the sequencer in ordering the transactions to, while they're being batched. Um, and Arbitrum gives less liberty to the sequencer and is more focused on, we'll call it a fair sequencing service. That's how they sort of um, brand it. So it's like a, a, a differentiator, I guess, to be, be aware of. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about like the pros of optimistic uh, rollups and, and optimistic layer twos. We'll also talk a little bit about the cons as well. So, you know, we talked at the, at the jump that obviously the greater throughput through that whole batching process done off chain, um, you know, allows for greater speed and lower transaction cost, which obviously greatly reduces user friction. It makes things like high frequency trading on Ethereum actually become feasible and, and cost effective and, uh, and reasonable. Uh, you know, now most people don't <laughs> conduct Uniswap transactions every day because trading at a high frequency just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when transaction fees are, you know, a, a relatively high percentage of the, the amount of the trade. Um, and then also with optimistic, uh, optimistic rollups, you retain, like I mentioned before, you retain the security of Ethereum because everything's being validated by the Ethereum layer one, as opposed to like Polygon or, or other side chains where you do not. Um, and another uh, pro is they're very EVM compatible. So like it's the Ethereum virtual machine. So basically it's, it's very easy to port over apps and other infrastructure from Ethereum layer one because everything's been built on kind of like Ethereum layer one. Uh, it's very easy to port those over to these, um, you know, optimistic rollups. And uh, on, on that side, Arbitrum is slightly more so, uh, slightly easier to kind of port things over than, than Optimism, but both pretty, pretty easy in, in that sense. Um, so obviously it's great for users and, and, and the speed of getting this stuff deployed and, and getting it out to, uh, getting out to the user base and uh, letting you all, you know, kind of mess around with these these new applications, which obviously eventually feeds into into Y axis and the ability to farm those uh, pools of capital. So we'll talk a little bit about the the cons of of optimistic rollups. So the biggest con is uh, withdrawal time. So 
basically, like I mentioned before, you have that sequencer that produces the blocks. And then you have the participants that can create fraud proofs if the sequencer is acting fraudulently. And then that can lead to a lengthy dispute resolution process. And so that causes a one to two week withdrawal time. So basically kind of, um, you know, you, you basically have one to two weeks. So you kind of need to wait while your, your funds are kind of in the withdrawal pipeline, just in case there's any resolution uh, dispute resolution uh, process to kind of uh, guard against that and, and allocate time for that. So, um, but I guess, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that withdrawal time. And obviously it's a major, major, major drawback. Um, you know, given you have a great user experience while you're on, but then trying to get off, obviously that user experience is, is a bit of a hurdle. But, um, you know, the nice part about optimistic rollups is basically the data availability is really good. And you, you'll basically know, um, basically you'll know if there's a disputed batch of transactions, how that's going to resolve well before the one to two weeks is up. So as a result, like there's a lot of protocols and other solutions and, and um, other kind of participants that are working on providing instant liquidity. So you'd instant be able to instantly be able to access your money that's sort of waiting in transit because they know how that dispute's going to resolve already. So they're happy to give you instant liquidity on your assets because they know it's, it's coming. It's just in a week or two. So basically that whole the solutions being built out there will greatly solve that user experience issue on the withdrawal side. Again, while you're using it, fantastic. Only only downside is the is the withdrawal side due to the that dispute resolution process. And the only other major con is um, you know liquidity getting fragmented or you know money or your your digital assets being fragmented or kind of siloed on each layer too, like because due to that kind of withdrawal process is you have money on, uh, you, you know, you have uh, USDC, Ethereum, et cetera, on, you know, Arbitrum, and you want to participate in, you know, ETH layer one, or you want to participate in, uh, you know, Optimism, and it's it's tough because it's sort of siloed and fragmented on, on that little, like, walled garden. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of solutions, I think, that are sort of built out around that, and one of them being that sort of instant, uh, those little those instant liquidity solutions while your your assets are being withdrawn, and then another one is you know a lot of applications will probably build for multiple L2s and multiple scaling solutions, and just sort of serve as bridges. Uh, we saw Stani um, he kind of put out a tweet and, and teased uh, this this week I believe it was how like Ave could potentially connect these liquidity pools and help solve that problem where you, a user could deposit collateral on Ethereum layer one, they could actually borrow on Aave on Polygon and then pay back the loan on Aave on Optimism. So connecting those three separate places all with one application. Um, so, that, so, you know, Aave potentially providing a solution there. Obviously, it's not to market yet. We haven't seen it. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that actually that actually works. But um you know, these are the types of things that there's gigabrains behind it and there's there's problems to be solved and they're going to solve them. So it's just sort of a, uh, you know, generally speaking, I think at a high level, it's exciting to see, you know, roll ups, uh, you know, and, and layer two so close. Uh, but 
you know, and they, and they bring a ton of benefits and they solve a lot of the major problems of users being priced out or high frequency transactions not being possible. And so they solve a lot of those things and then sort of the trade-offs and cons, the, you know, we'll, we'll let the, the gigabrains and kind of the Ethereum developer community sort of, uh, sort of take it from there and, and solve the additional problems that sort of continue to come up. So, you know, definitely an exciting time. And then kind of the near-term lanes landscape is, you know, the Arbitrum mainnet beta for developers. So developers only is, has been live. Um, and the public mainnet was actually already supposed to be live, but it's been delayed and should be, you know, kind of any day now. It's uh, like I said, on, on Ethereum time, <laughs> you know, how these things work. Uh, and then optimism, uh, you know, ex expected at some point this month, but again, you know, could be delayed. So uh, just keep it in, keeping an eye on both of those as those are kind of the near term, most promising, uh, most promising solutions. And, and so for there, I mean, I hope, I hope you guys kind of learned something about the mechanics and how they actually work and some of the, the benefits and drawbacks and, and other things that are, you know, sort of, sort of to, to think about as you're, as you're looking to maybe use them and better understand DeFi and understand the landscape. And sort of with that, I'll, um, I'll turn it over to AE who will go over kind of what some of this means for, for Y-axis. Yeah, thanks a lot, Summer. So the main advantage of layer two is, as we mentioned, is that users um, benefit from higher throughput. Uh, so they have lower transaction costs and speedier transactions. So main advantage of that is that it opens up Ethereum to a wide array of new users who are currently priced out of Ethereum and they're currently using Binance Smart Chain, Polygon or centralized exchanges. And now they, they can also access DeFi and Ethereum. So that gives us the opportunity to deploy vaults on these layer twos without prohibitive transaction costs and engage with all these new user bases. Um, so not just lower transaction costs, but also lower transaction times. Uh, what that means is that there's less user friction. Uh, there, there can be more volume as well. Uh, for example, arbitrage trades, they become profitable at lower amounts because there's less gas eating into your profits and smaller users are also, can also ease, uh, more quickly trade uh, as an alternative to just holding. And they, they can also compound more often. Those are things that we saw on Binance Smart Chain and Polygon in the past. So we can expect that to happen again, Arbitrum and Optimism. What that means is that there's more trading volume and so there's a higher base yield on platforms that we're going to be using by Curve. And more base yield means uh, our platform becomes more profitable. Uh, another advantage is that, uh, well, we have, um, we have our MetaVault right now that when you deposit stable coins into, you get a tokenized vault deposit called NVLP that represents your share of the vault and that accrues value over time because every time we harvest, your MVault becomes uh, exchangeable for a higher amount of stable coins. Now these tokens, they appear in your wallet when you deposit. So you can actually take them out and bridge them to a layer two. And when you do that, uh, you can trade that, that MVault token or future canonical vault tokens with other users. Like you can establish a liquidity pool on the layer two, for example, Optimism. Um, against, for example, a USDC or another stable coin. And then if you're a larger user, you have to pay the transaction costs in layer one, of course, but smaller users can now go on a layer two, uh, buy your uh, tokenized vault deposit and access that same value accrual without uh, having to pay the, the layer one transaction costs. So again, we're making DeFi more accessible that way. 
Um, another advantage that we have with layer twos, uh, that's what Summer mentioned that uh, Abby was building, uh, Stani was teasing it. Uh, one, one issue with layer twos is that the bridges, when you use them, they take a long time to um, to finish moving your, your funds from one layer to another. And one problem with that is that we prioritize security and we want users funds to be available at all times. Well, when your funds are in a bridge, they're not available. They're stuck there until they end up on the other layer. That's not something we want. Now, if if we can use a solution like like uh, like Aves in the future, it's possible, and we can, for example, deposit uh, our link or ETH or BTC in uh, onto Ethereum Aave, and then take out the deposit on another layer without having to uh, worry about users' funds not being accessible. So that's one way we can play delegated strategies. Uh, currently, our position regarding layer twos is that we just wait it out. We uh, see what happens, we, we see how the public launches go, we see if they run without any issues. And then, of course, uh, they also have to establish their own healthy ecosystems uh, with DeFi protocols for us to, to be farming. Because we're, top we're in top of stack position, we need that liquidity to be there in order to take advantage of it. And that basically means that we'll be the last ones to deploy. First, we have to see the base layer protocols deploy. Usually that's Curve and Aave. They're, they tend to be quick on that. SushiSwap as well. And then potentially yield aggregators like Yearn or StakeDAO or Convex if, if possible. And then when they're, they're all there, when there's plenty of liquidity, plenty of volume, and we can take advantage of that and build on top of them. Uh, as for our preference, uh, our devs, Transfer and Godlist, has voiced the preference for Arbitrum because as Summer mentioned, it's really easy to uh, port over contracts that are written in Solidity like ours because you don't have to actually change anything. You can just basically copy and paste it. Uh, that's that's how we look at uh, at layer twos. Do you have any closing thoughts, Summer? Yeah, no, I think that's perfect, and I think you know it's it's definitely an exciting time, and you know hopefully, like I said, Arbitrum was kind of already supposed to be launched, but hopefully they they kind of get off the get off the ground publicly. Um, and start seeing those pools of capital, you know, get developed and something for us to kind of look forward to. And for now, we're just sort of in a wait and see. We got to make sure that this stuff actually works. And, you know, I would imagine there will be kinks and roadblocks along the way. So we'll let, you know, kind of the folks over at Arbitrum and, and uh, the base layer protocols kind of iron that out. And then we'll kind of come in uh, at the top of, you know, sitting at the top of the stack, which is sort of a nice position to be in because you kind of let the, uh, let the kinks iron themselves out and let the, the the um you know we basically get to ride the winners essentially so uh you know being a nice being a nice position there and uh like i said you know tnc has already expressed some uh, preference for arbitrum so um you know obviously these are these are ideas and, and and things that are a bit away and obviously you have to be be patient on it but it's it's relevant it, it's in the news all the time so we wanted to make sure that people understood kind of basically what this technology is what it does and what's sort of coming up in the near term. And then we'll see those ecosystems develop and see those base layer protocols eventually, you know, get deployed, go public, start attracting capital. And then that's where we, you know, the opportunity opens up for Y axis. So, um, and just to kind of wrap up that portion, like, you know, overall, I would just, I would just say, if you're looking to learn a little bit more about this stuff, I would just, uh, I would plug uh, Hasu over, um, you know, at, at Darabit Insights and, you know, other places, the Uncommon Core podcast and stuff, um, you know, he does a fantastic job always providing like pretty objective, objective research. He's a crypto researcher. So, uh, you know, and all the people over at, you know, Derbit Insights, they really do a great job. So uh, would would recommend, uh, you know, looking over there if you're 
if you're looking to learn a little bit more and learn a little bit more about the Ethereum ecosystem in general. So uh, with that, we'll move up, move to some of the questions that were asked ahead of time and then some of the live ones. Um, so Zemus asked, you know, happy, well, first off, happy to have you back, Z. Uh, you know, we kind of, we, we missed you last week, um, but Zemus asked, what's everyone's favorite type of pizza? God help anyone that says Canadian bacon and pineapple. So big, big Hawaiian pizza hater. Um, you know, I, I personally would have to go with, with Buffalo chicken, but we also had, it looked like we had a lot more, uh, better cultured responses in the, in the, you heard channel, uh, you know, A's given some uh, Italian, Italian thing going on. He had some Italian thing going on there. I, I didn't I didn't even know what was going on uh, with what he said, but sounded sounded fancy, sounded good. Um, Come on, man, that's, that's a standard pick, man. That's uh, <laughs> much for magic. And then Mister Mister Mister's got uh, got some thoughts on the on the Hawaiian side. Oh no, I I just wanted to um, chime in with my favorite type it happens to be Hawaiian, <laughs> Canadian bacon and pineapple. How could you not love that? Love you, Z. Um, thanks. Thanks for uh, gracing us with a question, but um, sweet and savory, I, they go hand in hand, right? I don't know. Don't hate me. Don't hate me for liking Canadian bacon. I know, to each their own, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. had to come in and defend his... Uh, defend yeah, his I just Hawaiian, had to. Hawaiian, Hawaiian pizza, Hawaiian <laughs> pizza tribe. We went We went from the, uh, the details of, of optimistic roll-ups to Hawaiian pizza real quick. This is now a pizza review uh, channel. <laughs> but uh uh 2da asked about more use cases for holding uh the access token uh we had i believe it was week nine uh we had a we had a, a pretty i hope was thorough um episode on the uh tokenomics and what they are today improvements coming in the near term and era two and then eventually sort of long-term vision um if you saw anything in there that you didn't think was covered well or you would like covered additionally or have additional ideas as well feel free to toss them in discord forum etc um, i'll give a quick tldr it's basically in uh, in era two we're looking at uh, gauges which will enable vault users to um, they're basically incentivized to hold stake and lock the token to earn higher yield on their vault deposit and and direct emissions to their desired vault uh, basically it attracts long-term aligned capital something that's been super successful over at curve even though the crv token has an extremely aggressive emission schedule they're still able to kind of hold and actually accrue value to crv even um, in the face of that emission schedule uh, and then also coming up we have a little bit more scalable and, and easily manageable strategy management in uh in in era two so with with v3 uh, strategy management is going to get a lot easier. So we're going to have opportunity for more active governance and more revenue. Uh, and then also the connections to institutional capital sort of enabled by the Casino X backing uh, poised to help grow TVL and revenue for stakers uh, as vault governors as well. Um, Rembrandt asked, you know, L2, basically L2 when, uh, you know, Polygon. Uh, and, you know, I think we kind of got to a lot of that above. But, uh, you know, if you don't think anything was covered or have additional questions, feel free to let me know. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, prioritizing Arbitrum for a variety of reasons. And, you know, one of them being the, the EVM compatibility and, you know, another being the security and also the, the things about the, uh, the sequencer and the fairness of transactions as well. So those are some things, you know, behind that decision uh, but, or our approach 
uh, and we'll, we'll see how it all develops. And luckily we can, like I said, from our position, kind of sit, wait, let, let them actually deploy, let the pools of capital sort of exist. And then we'll, um, you know, kind of ride the winners from there. Um, and then, so with that, we'll get to questions that were asked live. So, um, uh, Big Poppy said, Big Poppy's back, um, asked some, some fantastic questions here. One about, you know, adding vaults or support for this, for CRV directly. Um, you know, that's something that is definitely feasible. I think the goal is to start with the, the vault assets that have kind of been advertised, but then grow from there. Um, particularly because let's say, for example, we wanted to run a, a um, CRV, uh, it's super easy to do that. Um, you know, given that it's already supported by Ave. So, um, you know, plenty, plenty of opportunity there. And then obviously, you know, convex as well being a place to, to deposit CRV and, um, even, even yearn. So that's definitely, definitely feasible. And in the works, just nothing, uh, nothing, I guess, specific today, but, uh, not, you know, definitely not out of the question. Um, and then I uh, asked about a preview of the upcoming release. Um, we can, we could see it can try to, uh, connect with the team and, and see what we can do about that. Um, oh yeah, we, we can, I mean, Mr. Mr. is here. We need, just need his permission to share it. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> Way to put me on the spot guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we can definitely share uh, some sneak peeks as we get closer. Some little teasers. Little teasers. Yeah. And also, just just go back to la the last question that Papi asked. Uh, he mentioned that some other projects are hoarding CRV right now. Yeah, that's definitely true, uh, because you, you need a lot of CRV locked up in in their gauges to be able to boost your uh, APY. And nice thing about YX is that we don't have to do that. We can just sit on top of them and take advantage of their boost to still get the max APY. So we don't necessarily have to hoard uh, CRV. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, great great point there, AE, and that's kind of uh, something for us to, to look at moving forward, especially like I said, as strategy management gets uh, a lot easier in V3, you can start looking at things, looking at things like convex, et cetera. Um, and then big Bobby last question asked was, uh, you know, can we just acknowledge that even if princess Bobby didn't win, he's our favorite anyways, for sure, for sure. Um, and then crypto force one asked, uh, the hood horns, um, Sorry, I actually missed that question uh, earlier, but AE, I'll swing that your way. Yeah, of course, uh, the hood horns, I think uh, they were fantastic. That's what we really loved about the first design. But uh, of course, it's a community vote. We have to, we're going to have to see w uh, which one eventually wins. So if you haven't voted yet, guys, make sure to check out the recent announcement and make sure to head over to Snapshot to vote. Then once we have a winner, uh, we can consider to add uh, horns in their own style if the winner isn't the first design uh, to their to their uh, final design that we actually get produced so that it fits the rest of the design. That's what we're looking to do. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Um, and then Crypto Force one other questions about um, you know like the new web page refresh. Yeah, as we kind of talked, we can get that uh, get some teasers out there hopefully within the next week or two. Um, sort of you know kind of leading up to leading up to launch we'll we'll leave that to the, the sort of web team uh to to make sure that's ready and uh you know ready to be shown uh shown publicly 
Um, <laughs> so many mu- much feedback on the the pineapple on pizza. Um, I I personally not not a fan. So maybe I still have your respect, Poppy. But Mister Mister looks like you're down bad. Um, <laughs> Buy the dip, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Nissan asked, does Arbitrum uh have a um have a coin or a token like polygon does i don't believe so i'm pretty sure if you know they that... don't no they don't and then actually people always go into the arbitrum discord and they just spam them and say when's the token going to be released did i miss yeah. the air always yeah. no there's no token no there's no optimism token either but usually these projects do launch a token down the line so you guys do keep your eyes open for that yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely, it might not be a bad idea to be a user. Uh, you get the nice little like a Uniswap type type airdrop or um or, you know one inch type type airdrop. Um, yeah, but to make it clear, you need only just need ETH to transact on those layers. You don't need any other type of token like you need on Polygon. Um. Alrighty, so we'll we'll wrap up. Um. We'll, we'll wrap up probably here because uh, we just got past the, the half hour mark, but I'll take you uh, the last question, uh, Bobby. Yeah, the, the I mean, uh, not Bobby, sorry, <laughs> big Bobby. <laughs> long day, long day. Um, so take the last question here, big Bobby. Um, yeah, the, the stuff A you mentioned did sound uh, did sound really cool. Uh, the the, uh, the, the <laughs> big Bobby goes, I, I got a promotion. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it is pretty cool, and obviously excited to excited to get that released, and you know that that chat sort of support uh, support feature will be be cool. Um, and then you know, Bobby, uh, Big Poppy mentioned <laughs> again. Uh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Big Poppy mentioned uh, you mentioned web team, kind of how large their team. I guess we have more developers than four or five. Uh, just uh, basically one, I guess one major um sort of web web dev on that side but mr mr can provide a little more color there if he wants uh yeah they're not core team but yeah we do have um folks helping out uh, with different kinds of uh development needs and web development is one of those so um we have two really helping us right now um but yeah hope that answers your question yeah and then mr mr is obviously also heavily heavily involved with that process and then um, you know, from an app, an app like front end standpoint, that's obviously you don't get Gouda's wheelhouse. So, um, alrighty, well, you know, great questions this week. Uh, had a few, had a few laughs. Good, good way to close out the week. So, um, you know, appreciate, appreciate everyone taking the time to join us, and we'll see you all next week. And you know, have a good one. As always, any questions you didn't feel were answered well enough, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, feel free to feel free to ping or DM as as needed. Uh, take care, everyone. Thanks, See everyone. See you later, guys. Thanks. Bye.